All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are continuing our positional previews of the Falcons training camp and upcoming 2021 season by talking about the team's off ball linebackers today. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter, however, at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is, of course, continuing our series of positional previews, looking at the off-ball linebackers. We talked about the edge rushers earlier this week. We talked about the D-line last week. We talked about the wide receivers in the offensive line. And before we get into this inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker position group, I do want to let you guys know that you should be checking out the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast because it's going to give you that edge that you need to help you win your fantasy league this season. The Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast is hosted by Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News, giving you the data and that daily edge so that your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So in today's episode, we'll be breaking down as we have done with several of these series or all of these series looking at the various roster changes as well as the impending depth chart entering training camp, at least as how I foresee it. And then we will turn the conversation to the two stars of this position group, which is Dion Jones and Foye Olukun. And we'll look back at their performances in 2020 and, and talk about how 2021 is kind of a make break year for both of these guys because of their sort of contract situations after this season. And the Falcons will have to potentially make an investment in one or both players after the season. And, you know, whether the team does decide to make those investments will probably largely depend on how they perform this upcoming season. So we'll devote the bulk of today's episode talking about those things. And we'll look at those guys' production, particularly in coverage and compare and contrast them as run defenders and, and blitzers as well. And then we'll sort of look a little bit at Brandon Copeland and Michael Walker and some of the other pieces on the depth chart uh, behind Jones and Olakun uh, later today's episode. So without further ado, let's sort of jump into it and talk about the roster changes. Um, the Falcons didn't lose as many players at this position as they had at other positions. The only player they lost from a year ago was Leroy Reynolds. They wound up adding Brandon Copeland in free agency, signed two undrafted free agents and Errol Thompson out of Mississippi State and Dorian Etheridge out of Louisville. And of course, that means the remaining off-ball linebackers carry it over from 2020 or of course, Deion Jones, Foye Olakun and Michael Walker. So looking at their depth chart, I see it as the Mike linebacker or the middle linebacker, you know, top the depth chart remains Deion Jones behind him is Brandon Copeland. And then you have Errol Thompson, largely due to my perception of him of being a little bit more of that downhill thumper uh, that you kind of want at that position. And then moving over to the other inside linebacker position, the will linebacker, the weak side linebacker, you have Foye Olakun atop that Michael Walker behind him and then Dorian Etheridge 
given that he's probably the better athlete compared to Thompson uh, that makes a little bit more of a cleaner fit at that will linebacker spot. And I know one of the things that we talked about a lot last year was the notion that Foye Olakun could or should move to that Mike linebacker spot and take over calling the defense over Deion Jones and how the team could potentially benefit from such a move. And maybe that remains a possibility um, this season, but if that move is in the works, we have yet to hear about it. And I would imagine by at this point in time, we would have heard something about that. So it doesn't seem like that's likely, but maybe that's still something potentially on the table for 2022 and beyond. And as I said many times last year, I still think Foy Olakun would be a better option at that Mike linebacker spot, but we'll get into sort of Olakun and Jones and what they bring to the table uh, looking back at some of their 2020 coverage stats as well as their 2019 coverage stats and looking at their overall skill set and how they sort of fit in this DMP's defense and whether one or both of these players is poised to have a big year in 2021. And we'll get into that coming up on uh, today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of Lockdown Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Find out the latest on the Hawks season and off season by checking out the Locked on Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland or checking out your favorite NBA team's daily podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. You have the NHL playoffs just ending. The NBA playoffs are still ongoing. So is Wimbledon. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just about sports because BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. TV, get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 500 bucks, you get $250 in free money to play with. Who doesn't enjoy free money? Just using that promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I'm not necessarily a huge fan of sort of pitting players against each other by basically framing it. Well, this guy's good and this guy's bad, right? You know, I remember back in the end of the 2017 season where a lot of people were like, oh, Tack is good and Vic Beasley's bad. And I was like, eh, you know, they, they both have their differing strengths and weaknesses and we don't necessarily have to have it be a zero sum game. But unfortunately, I, th- I think when we talk about Deion Jones versus Foye Olakun, that's kind of the framework that at least my brain naturally kind of goes to, because I think both players have differing strengths and weaknesses. And a lot of those differences sort of compare and contrast with these guys. And to me, it's worth highlighting to sort of highlight where each of these guys uh, work well together and, and not necessarily. So, and it ultimately kind of naturally leads to pitting them against each other. But if you listen to this podcast, a bunch over the past year, you heard me be relatively effusive in praise of Foye Olakun throughout the 2020 season while being very critical of Deion Jones. And the main reason for that is like, I feel like Olakun played overall better, played the type of level that I personally, you know, 
biases aside, like at the linebacker position, it's a lot more assignment sound and disciplined than Jones has proven to be. Uh, you know, Jones is an elite playmaker when it comes to pursuit and running and chasing the ball. If you're sitting there saying, see football, go get football. You know, there's very few players that can do that better than Deion Jones. The problem that Deion Jones consistently runs into is seeing the football, right? But I think that sideline to sideline ability that he has is unique in the league, but he's just not always the most disciplined player when it comes to making his reads and, and fitting his gaps and whatnot, particularly against the run. So I think a lot of that stuff generally goes unnoticed by your average fan, which is part of the reason why I harp on that, because part of my brand is being the guy that's watching the film and seeing the things that your average fan is not necessarily seeing. And oftentimes I have a tendency to maybe go overboard with some of these things and harping on, Hey, this guy's not doing this or whatnot. And the film shows it and nobody else sees it. And I'm all, all alone on this Island. That's part of the reason why I went so hard against Roddy white back in 2014 and 2015. Well, everybody else in the world seemed to think that Roddy white, um, you know, was still playing at a high level, but you know, that's something I'm working on working through and I'm trying to be better when it comes to Deion Jones. But I do think particularly his 2020 season was not particularly great. Um, and I feel like, you know, Deion Jones still continues to get the love because a lot of times for your average fan, you know, they're only noticing a linebackers, you know, impact in the run game is when he's shooting a gap and getting tackles for loss. And obviously Deion Jones finished last year with nine tackles for loss while Foye Olakun, you know, finished before. So, you know, I think to your average fans perception, Deion Jones certainly is playing at a much higher level. And certainly his pro football focus grades seem to indicate that as well. But, uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis last year, you knew that, you know, I didn't have too many issues with pro football focuses grades for the Falcons last year. But Michael Walker and Deion Jones just in, in Foya Olakun to a lesser extent just didn't quite marry with what I was seeing on the film. But, you know, talking about the run game, let's talk a little bit about their ability against the pass. And before we get into the coverage stuff, let's talk about them as blitzers. We saw last season, Raheem Morris, you know, once he took over the, the team in week six, really rely heavily on Foye Olakun and Deion Jones's ability as blitzers. And for the next month of the season, up until their bye week, they were really effective in that role. And I think as the season wore on and teams sort of knew what was coming, and, and that's one of the downsides of bling, being a blitz heavy team is, you know, there's a tendency as the season wears on that blitz is become less and less effective because teams start to figure you out. You know, I don't think those guys were as effective blitzing um, as they were earlier in the season. Um, but I think for the most part, they did an excellent job. And I think certainly in the Dean P's defense, you will see them dial that up, continue to dial that up and rely heavily on those guys. And I think both guys, you know, have value in that regard. I think Ola Kuhn is probably, I would give him the nod, you know, it's a notch above Deion Jones just because I think he has brings a certain physicality uh, as a blitzer that, you know, in instances where, say, a running back is trying to pick him up, there were instances where you saw Foye Olakun beat that guy, you know, get physical with that guy, you know, um, and, and still get pressure on those plays while Deion Jones tended to struggle when you put an obstacle in his way, because again, he's, uh, you know, he's extremely fast. And, and certainly if you're Dean Pease, you're, you're certainly hopeful and, and 
and optimistic that you can scheme pressure. And when you can get Deion Jones, a free shot on the quarterback where he doesn't have to worry about a running back, picking him up and whatnot, you know, his ability to get from point A to point B, you know, at light speed makes him an extremely effective blitzer when you can scheme things up for him. But if it's come down to, you know, him beating a running back or beating a tight end or something like that in order to get to the quarterback, that's when he's a little bit less effective. So we'll see if that improves for him. Um, And I think, you know, moving on to the other area of the passing game, is the coverage ability, and we'll focus quite a bit on that, looking at some of the numbers that I charted last year. And, you know, Deion Jones is reputed to be this really high-level coverage corner, and he has been that guy throughout his career, but last year I think took a step back. You look at 2019 and, and my charting in 2019, particularly when it came to covering running backs on those swing routes and checkdowns, he was elite at that, you know, you know, and I should note that my coverage charting is different. If you, you know, have access to pro football focuses numbers, they do have the data sort of charted between zone versus man coverage. And and mine are a little bit different than theirs. uh, Just because I think, you know, they, they credit things a little bit differently than I do. But when you look at Deion Jones's coverage ability in man coverage in 2019 on 31 targets in man coverage, he allowed a completion rate of 42% um, and a success rate of 23%. And that's extremely good. You know, obviously ideal average completion rate, you know, is 60 something percent and particularly to running backs, it's like 70 or 80%. Uh, and a lot of his targets came against running backs in that 2019 season and the success rate you would expect to be in the forties or fifties. So essentially you're getting a player that's, you know, cutting the effectiveness of the players that he's covering in man coverage about, you know, by 50% and whatnot. But that fell back in 2020 where on 23 man coverage targets, his completion percentage allowed was 70% and the success rate allowed was 52%. And, you know, I think some of that was owed to the fact that Deion Jones was being asked to cover a few more wide receivers and tight ends than running backs, you know, in 2019, you know, 84% of his man coverage targets that I charted were against running backs, and that fell to about 70% in 2020. And when you look at his success rate against running backs in 2020, it still it wasn't quite as good as it was in 2019, but it was still very low, a 38% success rate allowed against running backs when targeted in man coverage. And then you compare that to his success rate when he was going up against wide receivers and tight ends, it was 86%. So pretty much any time you, you quarterback saw Deion Jones matched up with a non-running back, you know they were able to exploit that to a certain degree. Now you compare that to Foye Olakun's 2019 numbers, right? where he only gave up a success rate of 0%. So basically he was able to blank uh, all his targets in man coverage in 2019. However, that was only on four targets. So his sample size was very small and it was too small to really glean any major takeaways. But with an expanded sample size in 2020, you know, getting a lot more work, you still saw pretty solid numbers in terms of his man coverage, giving up 60% completions, which isn't great, but still was better than Deion Jones's uh, 70% and a success rate of four. 40%, uh, which again was better than Deion Jones's 52%. And when you saw him matched up against running backs, while because Deion Jones took the bulk of those uh, reps this past season, when Foye Olukun did get those opportunities, he really shut those guys down. His success rate when targeted in man coverage against running backs on basically eight plays, he only gave it one successful play in that instance, right? So a success rate allowed of 13%. But, you know, I think... This year, the Falcons in particular, and I think this was somewhat owed to Keanu Neal's struggles, at least early in the season against tight ends, that the Falcons looked to have Ole Kuhn matched up a lot more against tight ends. 
And that accounted for all but the, the one time against the running back. I think that was against Austin Eckler, um, where he got beat this past year. So his success rate when targeted, when he was going up against tight ends in man coverage, he allowed 70%. And, you know, when you factor throwing wide receivers into that group, you know, it lowers it a little bit better. He was a little bit better against wide receivers, and that goes down to 58%. So both guys, when you look at their zone coverage stuff, pretty much identical, giving up nearly identical, like one or two percentage points off of each other in terms of completion rates allowed and success rates allowed in zone coverage uh, this past year. So it was really, you know, Ola Kuhn edging out Deion Jones in terms of his man coverage skills a little bit this year. And I'm going to be fascinated to really see what types of season both of these guys have, because I think in a lot of ways it's a make or break year for them. You know, Ola Kuhn is a free agent after the season and Deion Jones has a salary cap hit of 20 of nearly $19 million in 2022. And should the Falcons, for some, for whatever reason, decide to move on from Deion Jones and trade him uh, after the season, they could save, you know, a roughly $11 million against next year's salary cap. And, you know, I think the Falcons are going to be stuck with this choice. They're going to have, you know, we've talked about this with a lot of other players, whether we're talking about Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett. But the Falcons are going to have to make a, a decision about Deion Jones's salary in contract situation, either by trading him next year, extending him, or potentially restructuring him. Because I just don't see the Falcons, given the fact that they're probably going to need to be able to create some cap space, keeping him at $19 million uh, in terms of their salary cap or $18.7 million or whatever the number is. Um, and I think how he performs this upcoming season is going to determine what the Falcons ultimately decide to do. And based off of their performances in 2020, you know, if we're looking at at least in my eyes, who better fits that Dean P's defense, I would think Aluakun fits a little bit better. You know, he's a better run defender. He's better blitzer. And at least in 2020, he was a better coverage guy. And I'm not sure Dion is ever going to be a better run defender or blitzer at this point in his career moving forward, uh, given some of those questions, marks, and concerns that he has in terms of his discipline and physicality. Um, but if he can get back to his pre 2020 levels in terms of his coverage ability, you know, I think that would be the saving grace for him. But if he can't get back to that level, then it's hard for me to understand why you would continue to keep him when you have a potentially better player, you know, potentially walking out the door in Oluokun. Now, at the same time, if Oluokun takes a market step back this year, you know, that obviously would complicate that sort of issue. But if you assume that he's just as good this year as he was a year ago, and, you know, at least for me, I, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't prefer to keep Oluokun over Jones in that situation, especially if, you know, all it would take, and I use air quotes when I say all because it makes it sound like it's a small amount, but, you know, relatively speaking, you would only have to pay him. My guess his market value would be a, a multi-year contract worth about 10 or $11 million based off of what other, you know, sort of uh, inside linebackers are making. Um, and that's by no means a cheap contract, but it's certainly probably going to be cheaper than what you would have to pay Deion Jones in the intervening years. You know, if you did nothing with Deion Jones's contract, he's got two more years left on this contract after this season, 2022 and 2023, and he's owed about $35 million in salary cap space in those two years. But the contract that you would sign for Yolukun to next year, again, at this market rate that I'm projecting him for, you would probably only have to pay him about half that amount in terms of cap space, right? So, Again, it's not necessarily trying to pit these guys against each other, but it, there is 
uh, it seems like there's a it's sort of a zero sum scenario where one or both of these, you know, one of these guys is going to be back next year. And I don't know about the other guy, but obviously there is certainly a scenario where both of these guys play well this season and the team decides to keep both of these guys. But, you know, I, I feel like at this point, the Falcons are going to have to make a significant long-term financial decision at this position after this season. And, you know, where they decide to go in that direction remains to be seen. And I can't also help but point out that Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, the two inside linebackers that the Titans had during Dean Pease's stint, they are also free agents after the season. And so in a world where the Falcons were to let either Foye Aluakun or Deion Jones walk, you know, there would be seemingly a ready-made replacement ready to go, you know, next March, assuming one or both of those guys make it to market. And it seems probable at least one of those guys will make it to market in my eyes. Um, so it, it feels like there's a ready-made replacement for Jones or Oloakun potentially to a, be able to step into the void. But, you know, I'm curious really with Deion Jones is with better coaching, will he respond Right. You know, was his inconsistency an artifact of Jeff Olbridge's Olbrich's tutelage or is he that's just the player that he is? And with Aluakun was last year a fluke. And, and my best guess um, is that he'll continue to be asked to kind of be their go to tight end eraser now that Keanu Neal's gone whenever the Falcons deploy man coverage this upcoming season. And I'm very curious to see how he handles that. You know, he's going to be going up against some pretty good tight ends this year. Guys like George Kittle, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, TJ Hawkinson, uh, John Smith, Dallas Goddard, Hunter Henry, you know, the boys in Tampa, we, we, we got to find out where Zach Ertz lands, but you know, people have been talking about him going to Buffalo. So he'll still be on the Falcons schedule uh, if, and when he gets traded. So, you know, I'm curious to see if if Olakun is her to go to tight end guy, can he be significantly better against tight ends uh, this year than he was a year ago? And one of the things we talked about a lot in recent episodes is sort of, you know, questions about this Falcons team's talent. And I feel like linebacker is the one position where that's a non-issue. To me, the question is, will players perform up to their talent level? Cause I don't think it's a talent issue at this position group. I think it's a consistency issue and I'm fascinated to see if, and when that changes under new leadership, when I'm sort of fantasizing about all the wonders that Dean Pease is, is going to potentially do for this Falcons defense. You know, the position that I'm picturing when I think about that is the linebacker group, you know, are we going to see Ola Kuhn missing less tackles, which is the one area that he probably needs to improve the most, you know, Deion Jones biting on every single misdirection play that teams throw at him. Will we see that become a non-issue? You know, and obviously you can go back to the Falcons inconsistency prior uh, to last year where, you know, guys like Devondre Campbell and Duke Riley were very inconsistent um, and undisciplined for many, many years. And so this linebacker group, as talented as it has been these last couple of years, has been very inconsistent, very undisciplined. And I'm very curious to see if and when that changes. But in addition to the starters, you know, we'll see if that changes and trickles down to the backups at this position group. And again, this is one of the few positions on this team where I, I think the Falcons have bona fide quality depth. And we'll talk about that depth coming up on today's uh, Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, you know, we're talking about trickling down. 
and uh, trickle down economics, not to make these things political, but you know, if you want to trickle down some more money into your pocket, why not check out the locked on bets podcast where your boy Q, the host is joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount sports to give you all the great bets every single day to add money to your wallet by checking out the locked on bets podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today's episode is brought to you by rock auto and with ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, save time and money. When you use rock auto, you'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from that chain store or the car dealership. Meanwhile, rock auto's, Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com did you know that Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market, has a brand new flavor in addition to their nine other de- already delicious flavors? This week only, get the newest Built Bar flavor, which is Grasshopper Cookie. If you're a fan of the classic Thin Mint Cookie, you'll love Grasshopper Cookie. But of course, they still have great flavors like Coconut Almond, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, German Chocolate Cake, Orange and Strawberry. You can get them all with a mix box and get that healthy snack that tastes great. Tastes just like a candy bar and you'll get none of the guilt. Built Bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. The coconut almond, my favorite, tastes just like an almond joy. And of course, I highly recommend the strawberry flavor. What's a better combination of chocolate and strawberry? And it's not just about Built Bars' great taste. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. Just head over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 so you can get 15% off the new grasshopper cookie flavor at BuiltBar.com. So, like I said, I think the backups here at the Falcons linebacker position are legit NFL caliber backups with Brandon Copeland and Michael Walker sort of being atop the depth chart uh, behind Jones and Ola Kuhn. And I think in both players' cases, you know, I do wonder a little bit about whether or not they might be better served being edge rushers for this team, given the concerns that the Falcons have at that position. Now, I don't look at either player as demonstrably better than Barkevius Mingo, especially as run defenders and in. Coverage because I think that's those are two areas where Mingo is probably a little bit better than people realize. But we do know that Barkevis Mingo is not the world's greatest pass rusher. And at least when you look at someone like Brandon Copeland, who in his one year where he was a starting outside linebacker for the Jets in their 3 4 defense back in 2018, he had five sacks and 38 pressures. Now, to be fair to Barkevis, you know, his pressure rate on a per snap basis is actually pretty good over the last few years once you start to combine his numbers over his last 400 or so pass rushing snaps combined over the last four seasons he has about 50 combined pressures and if you recall on yesterday's edge rusher episode i basically said we're hoping that dante fowler rebounds this year and has you know 50 pressures on roughly 500 snaps this upcoming season that's kind of our benchmark for him and he's considered to be the second best pass rusher on the team so 
the fact that Barkevius Mingo has combined for 50 pressures on, you know, a hundred less snaps over the last four years does mean something. And maybe there's a little bit more upside to Mingo as a pass rusher. But to me, it is very telling that the last four teams that Kiki played for basically wanted to limit how many opportunities he had as a pass rusher. So basically we have to conclude either the Falcons have some secret knowledge and there's something, you know, more to unlock with Kiki Mingo or, you know, Bill Belichick, Romeo Cornell, Pete Carroll, and Chuck Pagano kind of knew what they were doing. Uh, and so, you know, we'll just sort of have to see how that plays out. But, you know, I, I certainly think Walker's coverage upside is, is probably a little bit higher than Mingo's and Kerp Copeland potentially gives you a little bit more of a physical, tougher player against the run. So I think it makes for intriguing alternatives uh, in the event that the Falcons don't love what Kiki Mingo is bringing to the table or any of the other potential edges to start opposite Dante Fowler, whether we're talking about Jacob Tuity Mariner, Adeo Gandeji or Steven means. Um, but I think in the meantime, Copeland and Walker will certainly give you two competent to good backups at the inside linebacker position that will also give you value on special teams. And I think those two guys along with Jones and Olakun should be considered locks to make the team. To me, the question is going to be whether or not the Falcons decide to keep a fifth off ball linebacker on the roster that will probably primarily be asked to play on special teams. And that was something that the Titans did regularly during Pease's time in Tennessee. But I think maybe some of that was a reflection of the fact that the Titans had some young linebackers on their team that they drafted in guys like Rashawn Evans and David Long. And they were trying to keep a, a veteran leader like Wesley Woodard on the roster as well, who wasn't necessarily always going to be a regular on special teams in that regard. So, you know, I think with guys like Thompson and Etheridge, should they shine this summer? I don't think the Falcons would have a problem keeping them on a roster as a stash player. You know, that's probably a player that would probably be inactive most weeks, but certainly a guy that could, you know, in the event that you needed to elevate a Walker or a Copeland into the starting lineup could potentially come in and perform on special teams. And certainly in a world where either Copeland or Walker, you know, move to become starters at edge rusher uh, this summer or whatever, that would potentially open up a void for the team to be able to keep another inside linebacker. Um, and that would make a ton of sense for this team. So, you know, when I look at Thompson, when I look at Etheridge, you know, I didn't sit down and watch a ton of them. They didn't necessarily blow me away with their NFL potential. Two guys I think could be in the mix for a practice squad spot, not necessarily someone that I would look at as sort of the next Jermaine Grace as a guy like, oh, that guy's got some intriguing upside. Let's stash him on the roster because he's, you know, too good to to risk, you know, uh, exposing to waivers or whatever the case may be. And and by the way, you know, if you're curious, what whatever happened to Jermaine Grace? You know, he's now with the Montreal Alouettes. He signed with them last month. And so hopefully, you know, he'll be able to shine up in Canada because he never got the opportunity to shine here in Atlanta. Um, and yes, I will still hold that grudge. You'll, you'll be hearing if you're listening to this podcast five years from now, you will be hearing me bring up Jermaine Grace and, and why the Falcons, you know, foolishly did not decide to keep him uh, back in what, 2018, 2019, whenever that was. But What's interesting is, you know, when we talk about players like Thompson and Etheridge and, and talking about Jermaine Grace, the Falcons do have a habit every, you know, couple of years where they stumble across this undrafted free agent that's good enough to make the team and, and, and a guy that's good enough to potentially stick in the league. You know, Grace is, you know, obviously bounced around the league. 
with several teams besides Atlanta. Obviously, you go back to guys like Paul Warlow and Joplo Bartu. You know, even prior to that, Pat Schiller, you know, flashed some potential uh, for that one year that he was on the Falcons practice squad. And even going back a couple of summers, you know, a guy that was in camp that didn't make the Falcons team in Emmanuel Smith. But he's been kicking around the NFL since then. He, I think he's currently with the Chiefs or whatever. So, you know, it, I wouldn't put past Thompson or Etheridge. You know, the Falcons tend to have a habit of, of sort of stumbling on these guys every every couple of years. So maybe Thompson and Etheridge will be the next guys on that list. But I think in general, you know, this linebacker group is probably one of the few position groups where the Falcons are got solid starters and solid backups, right? And, you know, the question marks that you're going to continue to hear me talk about with several of the other position is the positions where they have solid starters. It's like, ah, I know about their depth, you know, they're an injury away from being very problematic, or there are positions that where you're like, I don't know about these starters. Like, are, are these guys going to play at a high level? And that seems to be the story of most of the Falcons roster this summer, as, as you guys have been listening to these positional previews. But the linebacker position is the exception. And I, I'm, I am excited to see if this linebacker group can become a strength. Because if you've listened to me talk about this group, um, despite all the talent that they have, you know, I have been continually disappointed with the play of the Falcons linebackers over the last four or five years. And, you know, going back to like 2017, you would hear me on this podcast say like the biggest, the weakest position group on the Falcons defense is the linebackers. And that has pretty much consistently been the case. And I know that their pass rush and their defensive line and their secondary has been very problematic at that time uh, across those years. But I feel like, you know, in terms of, not necessarily every single season, every single week, but pretty uh, consistent through line has been underwhelming, at least from my perspective, linebacker play from this team, despite, and it's underwhelming because we have so much talent. We have so much athleticism. We have so much speed and whatnot at this position group. And to see these guys underperform for large chunks of, of various seasons, whether we're talking about Deion Jones or Ola Kuhn or Devondre Campbell, Duke Riley, et cetera, you can even throw Vic Beasley into the mix, Philip Wheeler, you know, Justin Durant, all these guys, you know, has been, very frustrating to me. And I'm hoping that that changes under Dean Pease and this unit, at least this particular unit, you know, say what you will about the edge rushers, but at least these inside linebackers wind up being the strength of this team because I'm kind of looking at them to be the sort of the rock because the rest of this defense has so many questions. And so we just need to see that. And so I'm very intrigued to see that again, when, when people are hyping up Dean Pease, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I want to buy the hype on, on the, on the linebacker group, but that's where we'll leave it guys. I appreciate you tuning in tomorrow or not tomorrow next week. Cause this is the last show of the week. We're going to have a lot of guests and we're going to start doing some crossover previews, of the NFC South teams. We'll talk to some of the NFC East hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network to sort of give you a preview of what those teams are going through in training camp in this upcoming season. We'll also have a visit from uh, my dear old friend, uh, Brad Roland, the host of Locked On Hawks, to talk about the Hawks offseason. Um, and he'll also share his thoughts on, on Atlanta sports and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and we'll probably also have an opportunity for a Q and a as well. So guys definitely want, don't want to miss, uh, that on, uh, next week's show. And if you want to submit questions or provide any type of feedback, uh, to anything I've talked about on today's episode, anything I talked about on previous episodes or anything you want me to talk about on future episodes. Of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it guys. Till then.